Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. I will be your host this week. I will be your sole host as Crit will not be joining us. He had familial obligations, uh, child's birthday, which as we all know, birthdays are important, whether they be on the material plane or in the forgotten realms or even the domains of dread, which is exactly what we will be talking about this week. Uh, part three of our Ravenloft series, we're going to take a close look at some of the biggest domains of dread known um, that are known to uh to dungeons and dragons fans uh, a lot of this material comes from from van richten's guide to ravenloft and so if you are unfamiliar with uh, what we're talking about if you want to ref- if you want to get more information on a particular domain of dread that's definitely your easiest uh source of information you know one to uh to procure and also uh the most up-to-date as well so without further ado, let's just go ahead and just dive right into it. So before we get started, we want to talk about the, like there are genres of horror as described by Van Ricken's Guide to, to Ravenloft. And each domain uh, subscribes to at least one of them and possibly up to two or three. Um, so these genres of horror are known as body, which... Um, like it's like transformations, like uh, abnormal growths or gore. Even I uh, think the Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, where a man uh, slowly turns into a giant fly. Then there is cosmic horror, which is just pure, unadulterated existential dread, like just pure Lovecraftian uh, in nature. Dark fantasy is the next one. Um, it's sort of the the traditional fantasy genre, but darker, uh, grimier, like more terrifying. Um, a good example of that would be uh, Pan's Labyrinth, the film by Guillermo del Toro. 
next up is Folklore. Uh, think remote villages with strange, often uh, dangerous and like terrifying beliefs tied to ancient lore. A, uh, a very popular recent example is Midsummer, um, And then uh, one that goes further back in time, but just as terrifying is Wicker Man. Uh, then there are ghost stories, which are probably the most recognizable. That's usually uh, usually a ghost is tied to our to the material plane uh, due to a thirst for justice or even vengeance. Um, Poltergeist being a pretty good example of the latter. And then there's gothic horror, uh, tales of great tragedy, exaggerated emotions, picturesque architecture. Bram Stoker's Dracula is the quintessential gothic horror example in of all time, I'd say. Due to time constraints, we won't be able to cover every single major domain of dread that's listed in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. However, I will do my best to select um, domains of dread to give you a uh, an all encompass all encompassing view of the different genres that I, of horror that I listed earlier. Um, you know, like there are some that are very similar in theme, like that are that are also gothic horror and very similar in many respects to Barovia. And so I want to be able to give you sort of examples of each type and how you're able to use both. Uh, and so uh, in keeping with that, let's start off with Blutspur, the Dark Lord of which is the God Brain of Blutspur. And the genre for this domain of dread uh, should come as no surprise that it's cosmic horror, seeing as how it deals mainly with mind flayers. So the God Brain of Blutspur originally started as an Elder Brain uh, elder brain being the final life stage or final stage of the life cycle for a mind flayer. And it's the, the research it was conducting uh, took a malignant and dangerous turn and revealed these sort of um, unspeakable truths and horrors to the elder brain and turn, it caused it to begin feasting on uh, like on its cohorts, on its, on its peers, on its um, on the other elder brains around him uh, trying to gain their knowledge and their discovery and sort of um, form like the super elder brain. Um, not only did the, did the other elder brains, you know, revolt against him, his own body, like um, because of the evil that he was committing began to revolt against him and uh, began to decay away as a result of this um, unknown disease. And so, you know, terror, you know, horrified by, by this disease that seemingly only afflicted elder brains, the remain, the surviving and remaining elder brains, uh, united against this, um, this traitor essentially, um, and expelled him, uh, from existence. However, as fate would have it, the dark powers, which we discussed in the first episode, it's sort of this, um, a noble cosmic entity in the domains of dread, the dark powers that lord over the domains of dread uh, plucked this elder brain out and gave him his own domain of dread known as Blutspur, where he was to be the dark lord of and be imprisoned by. Uh, Blutspur itself is just a complete and utter wasteland where seemingly nothing can survive on the surface, which is why all the action takes takes place underground. All these mind flayers live underground, uh, working feverishly, to appease the god brain of Blutspur, 
uh, who's actually who's still in the process of dying as a result of this affliction that it gained. Uh, in this state, in the state of dying, the god brain has become more frantic and even more demented. And this sort of um, like irrational thinking seeps its way all across into the domain. You know, no one, uh, no one would without huge, you know, without a, thinking about it long and hard, uh, would willingly venture into this domain. And so if you, if a character, if someone finds themselves there, it's usually as a result of an abduction uh, and they are usually never seen again. Those who do return bear psychic scars of this horrible place with a massive mountain looming in the distance. The next domain of dread that we will cover is Valkovnia. Valkovnia is think um, Dungeons and Dragons meets The Walking Dead or 28 Days Later or Night of the Living Dead. It's um, it's D&D inside of a zombie movie. So the Dark Lord of Valkovnia is Vlats- Vlatska Drakov. And the genre of this one is disaster horror, which is sort of as a subgenre of horror that I didn't bring up earlier, but um, pretty much in keeping like, you know, that sort of like zombie apocalypse sort of feel to it. Um, so Falkovnia is is um, the sort of like totalitarian regime. Uh, everything is under military rule, uh, under Drakov's rule. She is the head general. She is the president. She is the empress. She's She's everything. And she rules her regime with an iron fist. Uh, the reason being is that every month at the new moon, a zombie uh, horde attacks the one remaining city of Lakar. Now, the, everything, everything else in this domain of dread, every other um, city, every other village uh, has been reduced to absolute rubble. There's nothing on the countryside but death and destruction. Lakar is the one remaining city uh, remaining. And Drakov has to uh, has to defend it every single month at the expense of uh, at the expense of the people um, that she rules. And like and many of these people wish to wish to escape. However, they are it's absolutely forbidden to try to escape. In fact, to do so means that you will be impaled. That's and in fact, that's the only punishment for any crime in Falkovnia is impalement. So uh, plotting to escape, you're going to get impaled. Uh, stealing, you're going to get impaled. Uh, jaywalking, I guess, uh, would be a crime. Uh, probably uh, you're going to get impaled. Now, the reason that uh, Drakov, you know, if if you remember from our first episode where we discussed, uh, we, we touched on the domains of dread, um, there's usually some sort of um, like ironic or poetic justice that is uh, in keeping with why the domain of dread is the way it is um, and tied to its dark lord. So Vlatska Drakov, in her previous life, more or less, was the head of a mercenary group that was absolutely brutal, absolutely uh, ruthless, took no prisoners, and was you know they're very good at what they did. You know they they were you know hired guns, hired muscle, essentially. And uh, everything was going fine until 
uh, they killed one person and it and the the records don't indicate you know who this person was exactly it says none can say who the soul was a prince a saint a witch an angel but with its death the world turned against them them being uh drakoff and um her group of what's what was known her mercenary group the falcon's talons drakoff she was also known as the as the crimson falcon and so the crimson falcon ran the falcon's talons and so after the the murder of this of this one person this one being whoever they may be uh the world turned against them they as as opposed to hiring the mercenary group they all banded together to take them down however drakoff being the brilliant you know, military mind that she had, that she was, that she, and, you know, being as ruthless as she was actually defeated them one by one and was set on pretty much taking everything over when a mysterious cloud enveloped her and her people, her and her group. And when the crowd, when the cloud dissipated, they were gone. Then they find themselves. So they're gone from the material plane, like what, you know, where, where, you know, or whatever world that they were from and then they find themselves in this new land that either they that they're unfamiliar with that they don't know where they are but they say screw let's just you know let's do what we're good at and conquer and subjugate which is exactly what they do and so it doesn't take long but they conquer you know the the biggest city which uh and which is uh lakar and she re- renames the entire realm falcovia and but it's not too soon after that the first, that the new moon hits and the zombie whore begins to attack. And, you know, again, being the brilliant military mind that she is, she's able to repel the attack. And, but it happens again the next month and then the next month and then the next month. And so she's stuck in this perpetual cycle of having to win a fight that she can never truly win. And it says that she has never admitted it to anyone, but she can see in the the face of every undead that attacks, she can see the face of an innocent person that her or her group has killed in the past. And so that is the awesome zombie outbreak domain of dread known as Phacopnia. Up next in our domain of dread countdown is Har Akir. The Dark Lord of this Domain of Dread is known as Ankhtepot, and its genre is a sort of dark fantasy. Uh, I would argue that it's, um, uh, you know, if if, uh, if Barovia and Ravenloft is like your, your Dracula, this is definitely like your like mummy. If this like as far as, far as like un- old school, like universal uh, monsters are go. This is this is definitely your mummy domain of dread. Um, the hallmark, you know, ancient tombs, pyramids, and mummies, of course. Uh, Ankhtepot, of course, is, is is a mummy himself, and so it's a, it's a desert, you know, wasteland, vast deserts, uh, deadly storms, water being scarce. Um, the 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 dark lord of this domain of dread is like rules over his people and is obsessed with a lost treasure which is um, his cod. It's the missing piece of his fractured soul. So what happened with with Ankhtepot is in his his previous world, 
he was the high priest of the pharaoh. He actually um, was high priest over three generations of rulers in in his old world. Um, when the second pharaoh died, the the son took over. Um, however, uh, the son was not the ruler that that his mother was. His, the son was um, an unworthy, essentially, and very unpopular among the people and the priests. And so Anktapat uh, schemed and plotted with his fellow priests. And on the day that um, where they would perform the ritual that would connect their the new pharaoh with the god, Anktapat and his, uh, his priests murdered the pharaoh. However, as bad as the kid was, uh, the people still felt it that that was wrong. So, so they actually they rose up and they executed Octopot and his as as the other uh, treacherous priests. And so, standing in front of the in front of his gods, uh, thinking he had done what the you know the gods bidding thing is what he what the he, the gods wanted him to do because. Because he also felt that the gods thought that the the son was unworthy to be pharaoh, um, standing in front of them, he actually he misjudged you know what they wanted as well, and they condemned him, they cursed him, and they denied him entry into the afterlife, and instead returned his soul minus one piece back to the world, and so he uh, his spirit is more or less reawakened, ex- except that. Um, his, his physical body was dead and so he couldn't move and he, so he's trapped and he could feel himself being mummified having his body ripped open and his organs removed and he could feel everything that was happening to him as he was being prepared for um, for death or prepared for, for burial rather and so these his body is put in an unmarked crypt along with the rest of the along with the rest of the treacherous priests and there he lay um, for who knows how long um he, uh it says that he claims that it felt like an eternity until one day when he heard a whisper asking if he still wanted to rule and so the whatever time had passed had not dissuaded octopot over his desire or his belief that he was fit to rule and he said yes and so much like every other dark lord they um he was plucked uh by the dark powers and placed into this domain of dread known as Harakir. And from here, this mummy god king pharaoh ruler uh, rules over the the domain of dread and constantly um, is seeking that that one piece of his soul that was stripped away. And so this, this, you know, if you especially have an interest and running um, like a mummy themed or an Egyptian themed adventure or campaign, or if you know your um, your party would be interested and in that sort of uh, aesthetic, this is definitely a very cool, very interesting and unique way to go uh, because it combines all that with a little healthy chunk of horror and a bit of the macabre. If Har Akir can be used as a as a campaign setting for uh, like you know mummy like Egyptian type adventures or campaigns like if it's a throwback to the old Universal monsters you know mummy then Kardakas is definitely the throwback 
to the Wolfman because Cardacast is all about werewolves and lycanthropes in general. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a domain of dread that uh, whose main theme is uh, like hidden identities and pretending to be something that you are not, which is essentially you know what a lycanthrope you know does. Um, you know, it's uh, it's obsessed with performance. It's, uh, you know, everyone is, um, everyone's a performer, like the entire um, domain itself can be thought of as a stage. And the Dark Lord for Kardakas is Harkin Lucas. And um, much like, uh, much like Harakir, it's uh, the genres, uh, it's there's some dark fantasy, but there's also some gothic horror. Uh, mixed into it because because of that sort of like theatrical sort of um, idea and theme behind it so uh there isn't too much um uh that's unique uh that's um kind of uh, unique in, uh, about the uh, the the setting itself you know it's uh there's no unifying governments it's mostly like a collection of settlements and villages more so than anything but what makes it cool is is it's dark lord harkin lucas so in in his previous life in his previous world, Harkin Lucas was born into a community of lycanthropes, and he had dreams of not only um, like leading his own pack or leading a pack, but uh, in fact like leading an army or even a nation or even an empire, you know of of predators, um, and so he tried to convince his family his clan to to fall in line with his ambition and uh when they when they didn't when they didn't fall in line uh you know he reacted pretty poorly attacked them um ended up being able to kill several of them but barely escaped with his own life and you know fled you know away from the lycanthrope tribe or clan and into um into the world of humans and uh in the years that followed he learned how to blend into, uh, you know, quote unquote, normal society, uh, how to manipulate people uh, very much, you know, in the in Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft, he's pictured with with a with a fiddle. You know, he's he's a bard. He's a performer. He's he pretends to be something that he isn't at all times. And so he became so popular um that like he he was was, like legendary he was a legendary performer a legendary teacher he was a bit of a scoundrel he's i mean think of uh like you know justin bieber combined with kanye west combined with madonna combined uh with um yeah michael jordan you know like just somebody who like he was like known throughout the realm um eventually though the the rulers uh, sort of realized the threat that someone of that influence posed. And so they tried to have him arrested on trumped up charges. Um, but, you know, those really wouldn't stick. And the people defended him. The people loved him so much that they would defend him. And I guess they probably saw through the the, the lies of these, you know, invented crimes. Um, when uh, royal agents came for him, uh, he faked his death. You know, he pretended to be have been killed by them. And so outraged, his loyal followers like stormed the uh, the government, started a revolution. Uh, you know, within a week, it says that the nation's government crumbled 
and the defenders uh, um, or that the the army that uh, overthrew the government was carrying around the red stained coffin that Harkin Lucas' body was in. And so they brought it up to the castle, the royal palace, and there the the head of the government, the the king or the the duke, whatever you know, whatever sort of um, you know head of government that was there, you know, begged forgiveness and was trying to you know was pretty much saying anything that would spare his life and put an end to the revolution. Um, and I guess cooler uh, heads prevailed because the you know the the revolutionary force the the rebels agreed to you know to what the to what this person was saying and it was at this moment that harkin lucas um burst through his coffin you know fake you know stopped the charade of faking his death burst through the coffin in his wolf form and devoured the king uh so drenched in blood the resurrected Harkin returned to his human form and put on the crown that was once on the, you know, on the king's head while everyone cheered. Everyone loved it. But before he could begin his reign, uh, that ever familiar mist rose up and swallowed up Harkin Lucas. And when it cleared, he was gone you know, to the people in front of the, the people, uh, you know, collect uh, a mass in front of the the palace. Uh, and Harkin Lucas found himself in a fam- unfamiliar land known as Kartikos. So if you, if you've got a, a group that is very, like very theatrical in their role playing, uh, this is going to be the, this, this uh, using this campaign setting, using Kartikos, using this domain of dread, in, uh, in as a campaign setting or in, uh, in a in a one shot adventure, uh, it's going to call for a lot of theatricality. So if your if your player group, you know, loves to role play, this would definitely be the one to pick. Our next domain of dread is Icath. It is described as a domain trapped in a dream. Its dark lord is Sin Cheng. Uh, the genres are body horror and cosmic horror. Um, its hallmarks are that it's um, it's always changing, uh, and it's an inescapable dream world. So the inhabitants of this city, when they fall asleep, they enter into an alternate version of the city that they um, that is being controlled by by Sin Cheng. You know, they are forced to constantly be working to improve the city. Um, uh, in their dreams, they, so they sleep endlessly, and when they do wake, uh, they are starving because you know that they that they haven't eaten because they sleep all the time, and so as a result, food is more valuable in this city than gold. So that is something to keep in mind if you do run some uh, campaign or adventure in this domain of dread. That your your copper, your gold, your platinum is going to be practically useless when compared to. Uh, the rations that your character may have. Chang rules a city from her palace of bones. Uh, by day, she is constantly working on plans to improve Icath, and by night, she's ruling over her people's uh, over the people's dreams. And she has four daughters that um, that wander the city by day and then gather at the palace of bones by night. Uh, so, you know, how did 
Xian Chang come in, come to be the Dark Lord of this domain of dread of ICAP. Well, it's kind of a uh, it's sort of a it's a tragic story somewhat. You know, it's um it's a story of uh, of a person of a woman who um uh whose um goals sort of um like um like the ends justify the means in her mind and as a result it led her to this fate so when she was a child that um her home was destroyed by a colonizing force and she fleed into the frozen mountains um where she and everyone else you know who saw her you know who knew of uh, her escape expected her to die except that a gold dragon found her took pity on her and gave her shelter and so as a result you know um sen chang sort of owed a uh, a wookie life debt to this gold dragon so in the years that followed she uh you know tended the dragon while also learning mysterious magic and medicine and became a pretty accomplished wizard in that time but throughout that time she also still wanted to go back to her homeland and avenge her family and avenge her people and reclaim the land um but the gold dragon sort of you know with the um the the wisdom that the uh, you know the centuries provide uh dragons uh sort of like chided her for you know holding on to her hatred and 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 steadfastly steadfastly refused to teach her dangerous magic still this thirst for vengeance you know refused to leave uh sin cheng's mind and so she continued to you know seek out ways that she could accomplish this goal even without her mentor's help uh so she learned of a certain bell known as the nightingale bell that um could make its ringer's dream come true um but what it uh required was the scale of a gold dragon and then knowing that her you know protector her benefactor would not provide that scale for you know for the reason that she wanted it for she decided that she was going to drug him drug the dragon and take the scale from him just a small little scale he probably won't even notice it's gone except that in her haste um she screwed up the concoction she mixed the 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 herbal concoction uh badly poorly and ended up killing the dragon and pretty much destroying everything around you know in in the area and so once again uh she is like her home has been destroyed uh of course you know what what domain of dread story isn't without its sort of like you know little twist um one single gold scale remained and so she used that to create the nightingale bell bell and went back to her old city rang it and she wished for the city to be rid of its invaders and instantly the invaders vanished uh there were a few lingering outside the city walls that were then executed and almost immediately sian cheng was made the king of the uh queen of the city you know she ruled for years with firm but fair rules you know had four beautiful daughters that she loved um but eventually sort of um she became a little bit domineering and the uh, you know her past accomplishments it was sort of a um you know what have you done for me lately kind of idea and the people grew frustrated you know under her stern rule and so you know revolution starts to boil uh, rebellion starts to boil and but she is uh, shenqing isn't trying to hear any of this 
and starts executing rebels left and right um, until, uh, you know, an assassin is sent to kill her. And while she survived, her family does not. So her four beloved daughters are killed. Uh, So distraught, she climbs to the highest bell tower of her palace and rings a nightingale bell again. Uh, And rather than granting her vengeful wish, um, the bell cracks and a gold mist is uh, spread across the land. And when the mist clears, the ever-present mist from the domains of dread, uh, her perfect city is gone, replaced by the labyrinth-like, labyrinth-like, labyrinthine-like prison city of Icath. This is, uh, for me, like, you know, like a lot of times there are, um, you know, uh, these dark lords are just like just terrible, bad people who like deserve to be, uh, deserve this sort of like, um, uh, um, immortalized like prison sentence that they get. Um, you know, but the, you know, this really interests me because this is a, this is a character that you can um, somewhat identify with this is a character that wanted to do the right thing and like sort of let that, let the power get to her and let it, let, let it uh, you still slip away from her. So yeah, that's why I picked this one. And like I said, it's got, it's got dragons. It's got uh, like Freddy Krueger type um, dream sequences. Uh, it's got a lot of cool stuff and I think it'd make for an interesting campaign setting for an adventure. And before we go any further, let's go ahead and get to the middle of the show. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show is where we do a little bit of housekeeping where we um, take the opportunity to uh, thank our patrons, one to um, take a peek into the DMs Guild to see what kind of awesome uh Fan content uh, can be mined, usually uh, pertaining to the subject that we're talking about. And if there are some, and Crit being the uh, mini maniac that he is, if there are some cool minis out there that some that just uh, got released or just got announced, for sure you'd be uh, you will you will find them here in the middle of the show. Uh, so first, let's, let's go with the patrons. We want to thank um, each and every one of our patrons um, for contributing financially to support the show at. Uh, Patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. There's Jaco H, uh, Coffee Husky, Daniel P, Wolf the Sheepdog, Jonathan S, Tex Tinstar, Remington Cloutier, Lupus Mellum, and our newest patron, The Dog Indy. Thank you so much for signing up and uh, helping the show financially. Uh, if you're if you're interested in doing that, there are so, are there are all sorts of perks and benefits, uh, including uh, ad-free episodes, early episodes. Bonus episodes, T-shirts, mugs, uh, painted minis, uh, um, one-shot adventures that Crit will DM, and uh, and I will play in, and and we'll get uh, special guests to to join in and play as well. As uh, low as five dollars, all the way up to a hundred, if you can uh, can can contribute and uh, are interested in those benefits. Uh, like I said, it's Patreon.com/slash/DndLorecast. And of course, if you are in a position where you can't contribute financially and you still want to support the show, you can leave us a rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts 
or just you know su- uh, suggest the show to a friend, to a coworker, to someone you think would uh, enjoy it. You know, tell um, tell the uh, your fellow customers at your local gaming or comic book store about us. Um, you know, like I said, everything, every listener that we get uh, helps us grow. And the bigger we get, the more we can contribute back to the to the tabletop role playing community and to the D and D community. Um, so yeah, again, that's uh, patreon.com slash lorecast if you're interested in that. And for the DMs Guild corner of the week, uh, I want to I want to find I found something that is uh, very much in keeping with today's topic, the domains of dread. This is. Captain Snowmane's guided cruise through the domains of dread. Now, this isn't um, this isn't uh, like a recap of sort of this isn't like you know kind of what we're doing today. In fact, they uh, this book this uh, book that's only going to cost you fourteen ninety five presents you nine new domains of dread to horrify and delight you and your players. So each domain of dread comes with an overview page to introduce you to the domain and to its dark lord. A quick rundown of noteworthy features for the DM to keep in mind, fleshed-out settlements and sites to visit during your adventure in that domain, in-depth backstory and roleplay advice for the domain's dark lord, adventure seeds to throw your players straight into the action, heaps of additional story hooks and information to keep the, to make the domain come to life plus notes from Captain Snowmane herself to help you live through the experience, suggestions for stat blocks for the Dark Lords, and even some unique new creatures. And so this this feels, this looks, and reads, and is built just like, you know, your official D&D book as far as, you know, what to expect from it. Uh, I, would de- I would definitely recommend it if you are interested in the Domains of Dread, and you're looking for just a little bit more like i said these are new brand nine brand new ones uh and it's everything from um stuff like uh would-be utopia that um that falls into endless civil war um it's uh one that's sort of like a like a dark fairy tale uh one that is um like a like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like kind of like in, it's called the Domain of Infernal Agriculture, which looks really cool. So I would definitely recommend that. You can find a link to it in the show notes. Again, it's from DMs Guild, so the you know most of the money will go to the creators of this content. It's Captain Snowman's guided cruise through the domains of dread. And thank you so much again for listening. Uh, thank you uh, so much for uh, suggesting us if you can do that or for signing up for the Patreon, if you can do that. And with that said, we will go to the end of the show. Thank you for coming back from the break. And this is the end of the show. We're going to wrap up with a couple more Domains of Dread, followed by our magic item of the week. Uh, Our next Domain of Dread is... Rishmelo. It's uh, a domain of disease and isolation and were rats. Uh, this one is unique in that its dark lord, Jacqueline Renier, uh, wasn't, uh, is actually an original inhabitant of this place. Um, it was like, you know, unlike the other dark lords where they committed some awful deed 
on their original uh, world or original plane and then transported to this uh, to the domain of dread to their new locale. Um, Jacqueline Renier is uh, born and bred in Richemelo, which um, it's think um, like think like the Black Plague meets D and D. Um, so uh, Jacqueline Renier comes from the, the like the royal family of uh, of of the of the village of Richemelo of of its um, you know of the of that con- of that province of sorts and um was worried because because of everything was going well really um that even like the the most common of people even like the the merchants and the and the tradesmen were able to attain a level of success, success that really put them kind of almost on par with the nobility and Jacqueline was not cool with that and tried to um convince her family of this and they just brush her aside, like, hey, like, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, I guess. Um, and so she seeks out this group called the True Blood Council, thinking that it's going to be um, like the secret society uh, with members of like the oldest and uh, most influential and most esteemed Rishmelo families. And instead, she finds, again, the sewers where like the, the meeting is supposed to take place, a group of uh, raggled uh you know, um, dirty commoners, um, except that they're actually were rats and that, uh, she, uh, became a were rat that night. Um, they turned her and, um, she, at first she was, I, I would guess anyone being turned into a were, were rat might be a little messed up about it, but she quickly, um, you know, grew to enjoy her life as a were rat. Um, because in her mind and they're in the mind of the true blood council, the 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 rats were the first inhabitants, the original inhabitants of Rishmelo, and so uh, instead of um, you know her her ire turned from uh, you know the the commoners to anyone who any like non were rat person, and so she um, began to turn her family. Uh, only her twin sister resisted. Um, and for that, she um, Jacqueline disfigured her and exiled her. And so one by one, uh, her and the Trubla Council begin to turn everyone or kill everyone who does not want to be turned. And to do so, they actually created this this new plague. This what's it's known as the Nine Plague or just the Nas to uh, to quickly um, vanquish all enemies and to and to control Rishmelo. Uh, only the the family, the noble family themselves, proved immune. And pretty much, uh, Jacqueline stood uh, as the highest born noble in all the land and the nation's de facto leader. And so you have the the people crying out for help, and she does, and she refuses to help them. And it's at this point that the mist you know rise up and draw the entire uh, province of Richemelo into the domains of dread. So like I said, this one's different in that usually it's one person being taken to a, a pre-existing domain of dread and becoming its dark lord. In this case, you have Jacqueline Renier essentially creating her own domain of dread and the dark powers, you know, accepting it. Um, but yeah, this one's really cool, you know, with its disaster horror, kind of like um, the zombie outbreak, but, uh, you know, it's a plague. It's, it's, it's uh, like, 
you know, like I said, the think the the Black Death meets D and D. It's also got a tint of gothic horror, you know, with the nobility of the family and just sort of like that dichotomy between like royal blood and common blood. Um, so this one's unique in that sense, and as a result, it's it's pretty cool. And the last domain of dread that we will cover in this episode is Tepes. Tepes is cool. It's um, the one full core uh, domain of dread that we we're able to get to tonight. It's Dark Lord is Mother Lorinda, and it's it's this idyllic, almost perfect, seem, seemingly perfect village where it's beautiful. You know, everything is exactly as it should. Like you know, picturesque, um, like something a sort of village you'd see in like an old Renaissance painting where. Um, you would think like, man, like it would be so lovely to live there. And in fact, um, what, some of the lore is that anyone that is born there, like never wants to leave. Um, but there is a dark, like undercurrent underneath all of it. Uh, and it's, a, it's due to mother Lorinda who started off, um, as one of three sisters, there was herself, La Vida and Leticia, and they were essentially gifted to their mother by a fair by fairies um, because their mother was you know, very lonely and very honest, very hardworking, very kind. And she always wanted daughters, but all she had uh, was this jerk husband and her, and her little butthead brother <laughs> sons. Um, and so um, because she always wanted daughters um, and because she was so kind, she like, she doted on them. She loved them very much. She cherished them. And um, as a result, the, the, the jerk father and the butthead brothers, uh, resented them and kind of made their life a, like a living hell. Um, and that only got to be worse after the mother passed away. So as a result of all this, the sisters turned to a life of crime. Essentially, they became like roadside bandits, um, you know, uh, robbing travelers and even murdering uh, wealthy strangers um, that would, you know, that would, um, that would go through their villages that would go through the, the countryside, uh, the village countryside. Um, and once this, there, once this was discovered, they killed their father and killed their brothers. And, you know, as they began their murder spree or as that, as it began to unfold, that's when the mist rose up. And when they found themselves, when the mist clear, they found themselves um, in this unfamiliar land called Tepest. Um, and that's actually when it was revealed that they were act- they, that they were hags the entire time. So the fairy gifted these children to this mother, but as most like you know most fae gifts, there's always some there's always some hook, there's always some catch, and so these children ended up being hags. And so um, living in uh, Tapest, they learn magic. They um, you know, become very powerful due to the, the phase there at Tepes that uh, are teaching them. But much like uh, their mother, much like her mother, Lorinda always wanted to have, you know, a, a child of, of her own. And so she, re, you know, she asked her sister, she asked Levita and Leticia um, to help create a child of their own, but they refused because they didn't want to have to share their, their knowledge of, the, of magic and secrets. And so, so what Lorinda does is secretly create a creature uh, It's made of animal parts, brambles, like sticks and foul magic. And that, and that sort of that, um, that uh, creation is, you know, later known as one of Lorinda's children. She constantly creates this creature, this child only for it to, to die 
um, after a few weeks because um, it's not, you know, it's, it's not meant to live. And that's sort of Lorinda's curse. Um, so she creates the first of these Lorinda's children and with its help uh, ambushes her sisters and they, and she's able to trap them inside of her magic cauldron uh, a la wild beyond the witch light. And so ever since then um, your sisters are trapped. She continuously creates um, these, these, these creations, these Lorinda's children's, which um, have a lifespan of only a few weeks. So that's kind of her curse is to constantly, um, you know, be losing her, her creation, her child. Um, and, but she's able to use the villagers of Tepes to uh, prolong the life a little bit longer um, through sacrifices from uh, the fertility celebration that happens each season, which is known as the tithe. So you've got like human sacrifices You've got ancient lore involving hags. You've got um, foul magic creating abominational creatures. Uh, so Tepes is a lot of fun. Tepes is really cool. Like if you're, if Midsummer, uh, if Wicker Man is sort of your jam, if you think that, if you know your, um, your party is fans of that sort of aesthetic, that sort of idea of full core, then Tepes might be the campaign or the campaign setting for your next adventure for sure. And those are all the domains of dread that we'll be able to cover that we have time to cover in this episode. Uh, however, um, the uh, handful, the half dozen or so that remain, uh, we will be covering them in a bonus exclusive Patreon episode. Uh, so if you are interested in listening to that, you can go to patreon.com slash DD lorecast to figure out um, how to sign up at what tier um, and uh, you can listen to it and it'll be out next week. This brings us to the end of the show. And of course, at the end of every episode, we try to uh, give out a homebrew magic item or magic item of the week. Usually it's crit doing the the homebrewing and and giving you something that you can throw into your campaigns. But since he's not here, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put on my uh, my crit cap and do my best crit impersonation and see what I can do. Nothing too fancy, nothing too exotic, but something that's definitely going to help you if you are thinking of running a campaign or an adventure in one of these domains of dread, um, there is the detect evil and good spell. It's a first level divination spell that's uh, available to clerics and paladins. Um, for it's a concentration spell for up to ten minutes, and for the duration of that, um, you can see uh, uh, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, or undead within thirty feet of you as well as where the uh, creature is located. Um, however, this magical item known as Zednanrez Ring of Undead Detection uh, acts, uh, it's, uh, acts as that, uh, much like a wand would. It, that ring essentially casts that spell nonstop while you have it on. So while you have it on, you're essentially casting the Detect Evil and Good spell. So... Um, as opposed to having to cast the spell, um, you know, spend an action to do so and then concentrate doing so for up to 10 minutes, you can do it 24 seven, even if you aren't a cleric or paladin. And like I said, if you are thinking of running a campaign in one of these domains of dread, that is something that's going to come in very handy. I would recommend giving it to your players right off the bat, perhaps, um, or maybe doing so, and then ha- and then taking it away from them through some um, through something that happens um, in the in the adventure or the campaign. 
Um, but either way, it could, it's something that could um, that could definitely come in handy when they are in your Barovias or your Cardacasas, uh, simply because you're going to be dealing with all manner of not only just undead creatures, but also like you know, like the spell says, you know, your um, your fiends or your uh, celestials or your elementals or your uh, phase. So it's called Zednan Res Ring of Undead Detection, essentially casting the detect evil and good spell. Um, whether you know on on for any, anyone who's wearing it can cast it. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening, um, Crit. Uh, he usually uh, we usually spend the last few minutes of the episode, you know, plugging our other shows. For me personally. Um, it's Fandom University, a uh, a thinking man's nerd podcast, thinking nerds podcast, I guess, about all sorts of um, like nerdy things that uh, that come from comic books, movies. Uh, right now, we're doing Batman '89. Like we talked about the first two Batman movies by Tim Burton, and then in the second episode of that series, uh, we'll talk about the Batman '89 comic book, which uh, acts as a as a sequel to Batman Returns. And sort of disregards Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And then we'll finish off that series by talking about the new Batman movie, which just came out. But yeah, we've done Aliens. We've done uh, Resident Evil. We've done um, the Scream movies. It's a lot of good fun. We have, a, we have guests on there uh, occasionally that we talk to that are much, uh, more, much uh, more interesting and smarter than us. So it's always a good thing. And as far as Crit goes, I knew uh, I know he'd want to be here. Um, he, he loves all of y'all, uh, but he's got a gaggle of shows, uh, fumbling for, and the almighty crit is his, uh, homebrew D and D life play podcast. He's got, um, cyberpunk, his cyberpunk red podcast, uh, mythos mysteries, his call of Cthulhu life play podcast. Uh, he's got his, uh, legend of Zelda lore cast, resident evil lore cast, his, um, uh, Night of Darkness, um, Vampire the Masquerade, Live Play podcast. Uh, I know there are several more. I just don't have them in front of me. And there's there's very there's so many that he's uh, he's he's a very talented guy. I don't know where he finds the time for all of this, um, but all of the content he creates is 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 great. And like I said, like I can't imagine how how he I don't know how he does it. I don't know. He's a he's he's a he's a 21st century Renaissance man. But yeah, links to all of his shows plus the my show uh, are available in the show notes, as well as the DMs, uh, the DMs Guild Corner of the Week pick, and a bunch of other cool stuff that you can find. So, thank you so much again for listening for, uh, to me talk about uh, cool, spooky, evil stuff for an hour. We'll be back next week with a look at the brand new Critical Role Call of the Nether Deep official D and D adventure. Uh, very excited about that. You know, Critical Role is a juggernaut, uh, wildly popular. So it's very cool to see um, more official D and D content from that. Uh, you know, from them being released. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time.
listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.